Welcome everyone, this is Dan with Spiritual Underground Podcast coming to you from my little backyard wood shop, uh, also known as DTM Enterprises. This is the first time you've tuned into this podcast. It is a 12-step recovery-based podcast. We also uh, explore other areas of recovery like yoga, mankind, TSSR, uh, any branch, anywhere where people are looking to be better versions of themselves day by day, I'm interested in it. And we talk about it here. But most part, we talk about 12-step recovery and uh, recovery from drugs and alcohol. We're in the middle of this whole uh, COVID-19 deal. And uh, it's got a lot of people with a loose foundation. So we'll be talking a little about that today. Uh, I was supposed to have... Well, I invited uh, four uh, four people here to talk about this today, and uh, and and three of the guests uh, ha- have uh, made a decision not to get out and about, which is uh, frankly, I think that's actually uh, more responsible. More responsible. <laughs> but also, on the other hand, I don't think it's any issue for two guys to come sit together and, and do it as long as everybody's healthy. I don't think that's I don't think that's what they're saying not to do. Um, I don't think there's any risk in that. So uh, Kevin's joined me here today. I'm glad that he has because I, I think that actually, you know, I always do think that things work out the way they're supposed to work out. Uh, DTMWW.net, uh, any handyman services. If you're out there and need something fixed, I'm still working. You don't mind me coming to your house, I will come do it. So give me a holler. Uh, I somewhat hesitate to put my phone number on this podcast, but you can find me. DTMWW.net. Uh, Facebook page of the same of of uh, DTM Woodwork and Handyman uh, Instagram page. You go find any of that, you'll find my telephone number. Uh, pretty available, dude. TSSR Twelve Step Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It can be found on Amazon. We celebrated one year anniversary of the meetings Thursday night, and we chose to have a face to face meeting that night uh, against a lot of people's. Uh, feelings about that but uh we practiced social distancing and we did the things that we were supposed to do and and we wanted to celebrate that one year together uh frankly i walk in a spot of being safe and protected today as this book tells me i am and i'm actually not worried about much of this it does have me shaking a little bit just because of it's messed up my routine and it put some fear around employment and and my father my my father lives with me and gets but he's healthy he's, he's healthy as a horse uh, never had any kind of stuff go on. I don't think he, I, I don't think he'll get it either. And I really do feel like I travel safe and protected today. So that's not really scaring me. Um, and I understand it ain't about me. It's about our society. So, uh, you know, I'll try to do my part in that, but we went ahead and met. We also did a combined zoom meeting. Seems like these virtual meetings are what's going to happen. And I bet you the podcast is probably going to be maybe operating like that too in the future. Uh, which actually is rather convenient. I like to have somebody sitting here. I like being with people today. I don't think I could do it. Like, it'd be hard to have a conversation with you. There's too much stuff going on at home. You know, TV, video games, kids, yeah. wife. Yeah, you'd dinner. have to do something to get, like, uh, isolated, probably. I'd have to sit in the truck or something. Yeah. <laughs> now, one thing is I've done these things remotely audio only a few times. And I didn't really care for that. And I had the Zoom thing in the past, but I just had a little trouble messing with it. And I gave up on it. Uh, 
but I could actually, we could actually see each other through that. And that would be a lot better because you'd be able to like see when somebody's giving verbal cues and you can see when somebody's getting ready to talk and, yeah. and things like that, which you don't get. So that TSSR book is on Amazon and means are going great. And we're uh, delivering these 12 step tools to people who uh, formerly weren't um, able to access them due to uh, not fitting into any of the traditional 12 step fellowships. And I just love that and uh, gave away some one year tokens uh, this is not to beat my own horn at all, but I've been making wooden chips for that meeting because there are no chips available for the TSSR movement. So I've been making them out of wood. And uh, and I want to do something special and put people's names on the ones for the one-year uh, anniversary. And and so we'll have an opportunity to hand those out. And that's a way I get to another, – another one of the many ways I get to uh, participate in my recovery in a very unique manner. So we did that, and then we're going to move forward with Zoom. We actually Zoomed some people in, uh, audio, uh, video conference to me in. So some people were remote, some people were face-to-face, -face, and that was interesting. I know some meetings around here, uh, specifically on this side of the river, on Indiana side of the river, have been doing that. I saw it on Facebook posted that uh, you could access it. They were still going to meet face-to-face, -face, but you could access it through uh, I seen virtual that. manner, too. Some of the ones up in Floyd Knobs. I haven't seen that. Uh, so they've been doing that. And... Uh, and it worked out real well. Darren Frank's music's wrapped around this podcast. He's quarantined, you know, in any of those kind of situations of uh, um, in a in a in a rehab nursing home type of facility. Uh, he's locked down, and they're not allowing any visitors. So uh, send him some prayers, because man, there's a couple things I don't like. I don't like being told what to do. I don't care what it is. I do not like yeah, what you know. we're sitting here talking to each other face to face right now, yeah. which we've been told not to do. Yeah. Well, I don't know that we've been actually said not to like join together one on one. You know, I yeah. mean, the thing is, is groups of people, right? Yeah, because you don't know who's there. Yeah. Um, and it's also if one's there, then everybody's and maybe an around. uncontrolled environment. Yeah. You know, there's really been you know. We know what's up out here. We're in this wood shop, you know, and I, although I'm probably not the same, this is not necessarily sanitary. It's probably also not uh, infected. Uh, there's been nobody else here, me, dad. Get that cat scratch fever on your own. Yeah, life. I do have the cat scratch <laughs> fever from, uh, my, from Kathy's crazy-ass cat attacking the last few days. Uh, but I don't like to be told what to do at all. I even sometimes will find myself, you know, my sponsor will suggest that I do something and, you know, and as, you know, as much as everything in my core knows that I'm to listen to that today and have an open mind, uh, you know, I still the other night he was saying something to me and it was about this crap, you know, and I slammed the gate mentally, you know, nope, I reject that premise. Uh, and he saw me do it too because he reads me like a book and that's really scary when your sponsor starts knowing, you know, when he knows you so well that he just looks right at you, you know, and I'm not, I can't pull no wool on him. I can't. It's not. It's not possible. Uh, and I specifically don't like being told what to do by the government, <laughs> even more so than just flat out not being told what to do. So uh, I have to, like, uh, really uh, try and work to uh, comply. Uh, I have some jobs to do, too, you know. I mean, how you make a living, and I know other people can't, but I actually can, and people need their shit fixed still, even through this process. People's stuff still breaks. So uh, I was at a couple houses, people's houses this week, and, uh, and, uh, and it's, you know, um, all of them had suspect people in them as far as from an age standpoint. You know, they were uh, potentially compromised people mm -hmm. in the house. 
Uh, probably doesn't have anything to do with me that much, although I guess it could. It could come back the other way because a compromised person is not more likely to have it. They're just more likely to get it, get it. and get really sick from it. Right. Uh, but I ask them, right? Uh, you know, you still want me to come? Yeah, let them know that you want me to the risks. Yep. And uh, and one thing was just a little tying up. Uh, a couple things were just tying up some loose ends. And I wanted to do that too because I don't want if we do end up with a right now we don't have a shelter in place rule. If we had a shelter in place rule like by the government uh, in this state, then probably well, you shouldn't be here technically, right? Right. We should both be home. Right. Uh, but that's not the case here. Uh, so so, uh, but I'm afraid that's what's going to happen. Well, I think it's probably coming. Yeah, because the states. I think the states to our left and right both have already. I know Illinois has. Has it? Yeah, they've already instituted one. And, uh, and it doesn't mean you can't go anywhere. You can still go to the grocery, grocery store. store. You can still go to gas. You can still do that. But it's just nothing non-essential, you know. And uh, so, I, I, you know, as goofy as this might sound, I don't want those loose ends I've left at places because I was unable to finish a job because I didn't have a part or didn't have uh, something. No, exactly. It's, it's uh, awful to so be. Actually, yesterday was able to run around to three different people's houses and tie up all my loose ends. So, they are... Uh, all that, then that feels good, right? I don't want, you know, because it could be a month or two months or whatever, and I don't want. Uh, it weighs heavy on you to have stuff open like that. Yeah, it's terrible. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm a task-oriented dude, man, and my life runs with little items to do with a box next to them, and I need that box with a check mark in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's important for to me, too, to be the guy that gets things done. Like, you don't want to be the guy that gets things almost done. <laughs> yeah, and that's a big-time thing in the handyman and construction world, too, is people don't finish the job. Yeah, that's a big um, deal. You know, I, I've listened to clients and I've listened to people complain about, A, people not calling them back, people not being communicative, not being, you know, not having good communication with people, not letting them know what's going on, not being able to be on time, and not finishing the job. Cool. That's why I got I it. I can do all those. I got into construction, so I didn't have to do any of that yeah. stuff. <laughs> so, uh, I was getting ready to go someplace with some of that. So, you know, we was talking, uh, one of the things, I mean, when, when you ended up being the guy who was still available and wanting to come, and I almost tried to talk you out of it this morning, you know, I mean, I wasn't wanting to talk you out of it, but I was wanting to give you any out that you needed to take, because I felt a little bit like you were a little bit, like, hesitant, and you just didn't want to not fulfill your commitment, just exactly like we were just talking about. You didn't want to not finish the job, so to speak, that you'd committed to do it. I can't leave commitments open. I have to, I had to come. I was going to come. I feel that way, too, really bad. I can't man. do it. Uh, if you just said... Um, I, don't yeah if you just said i've got this i'd be like oh it's okay dan but like i can never i've never been able to do that yeah i'm never i can't do it i well, hate I'm glad when you people did, do it to know. me like if i'm planning something so i can't do it to other people but if you cancel plans like uh that's the joke right like i'm so happy when people call and cancel plans for me <laughs> yeah well i was an inch from it but the flip side of that is i've made a commitment my commitment is to provide content on this podcast and new content weekly yeah. And I made that commitment, uh, and I've been doing it for a little over a year now, you know, just since January of last year. And although I have some other avenues, uh, I kind of really wanted one more face-to-face anyway before I had to go virtual for a certain amount of time. But if it happened, and I did have a little bit of a I was dis, I was I was disappointed last night when folks started canceling. Uh, it's just on me. I was looking forward to the fellowship. I was looking forward to it, too, yeah. Uh, I was looking forward to getting together with a little group of guys because we haven't been able to really do that. And uh, and I thought, well, you know, and I also 
frankly thought it was relatively safe too because we were just spread out here and it uh, wouldn't be a big deal. But I understand all their ends of it also. So it's not, um, that was my disappointment, not a disappointment in my friends. That was just on me that I was disappointed that it was uh, caving in. Mm -hmm. But I believe that uh, you're here for, uh, you know, I always believe everything happens for a reason. And one of the things that I really have in my heart at the moment is folks who are early in recovery or, you know, like, and, and try, you know, I went to seven, eight meetings a week when I was new. And, uh, and it was vital to me. And all of a sudden, um, those aren't available in the same way that they were available to me before. And I'd tried online meetings at times, and I'd, you know, I'd actually gotten a little something out of them a couple times when I was early on. You know, it'd be 10 o'clock at night, and I'm sitting around kind of coming out of my skin a little bit thinking, okay, and I'd dial in on a meeting, and it would just be a phone-type meeting. Actually, they were chat meetings. You typed. You didn't even... Uh, wasn't even verbal. It There's was, no way. Yeah, you had to type. <laughs> There's no yeah, way. Yeah, it was a bitch, and I'm not a typer either. Uh, chicken pecking. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I'm, but I've chicken pecked long enough, and I'm half-assed Pretty decent good. at it, especially if I'm focused and I don't have any outside influence screwing me up. Uh, and I don't get too hung up on perfection either. Yeah. Uh, they'll understand. Well, and we've gotten used to that with text, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, all kind of who knows what comes, especially with voice to text. You know, you go... Uh, you apologize for some misspelled word, and uh, it's like, yeah, I understood what you said. You know, uh, uh, T-G-A-T, I knew that was actually that, not that. But uh, people knew in recovery, and you're how, – how far along are you right now? I saw you post a number this morning. I think it's 83 days. Yeah, so I'm inside of 90 numbers, days. Yeah. And, um, and, and all of a sudden having your meeting opportunities come slamming shut, and I know that you've been going – yeah, you've been going to quite a few meetings, right? I mean, I yeah. think you have been. I try to go to. I try. I try to do one every day, but it's you know I've got wife, kids, yep. work. It's so multiple a week anyway. You know, it's an excuse, but I go. I go to multiples a yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden, boom, the doors go shut. You know, and it was something that kept me. You know, I really looked forward to meetings early on, and and I knew you know it was keeping me day by day. I say it like this. Uh, and a lot of people, I don't know if they remember, back when the TV used to go off in the middle of the night, like if you fall asleep, and it would just go to static. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every morning I woke up with a low-level static, just hissing just barely. And throughout the day, that static would get louder and louder and louder in my ears. And, you know, I could usually always get through the work day. You know, yeah. I didn't really have to drink at work. But when I got off work... I stopped for a beer, you know, I mean, within 15 minutes or within, as soon as I could get out of the door to a can of beer, I would do that and did it for a long, long time. And then I would drink until, you know, I went to sleep, went until I ended up cashing out for the night. Uh, but that's when I was not drinking, that static would raise up all day long. I think I was doing it when I was drinking too, but at five o'clock I could close the static off with a beer. Uh or whatever substance I happened to grab a hold of on that particular day, multiples. Um, but a meeting would calm that static down at the end of the day and, and quiet it, and then I would be okay. And then in the morning, I'd have it again, and it would come getting louder and louder, and I would get to a meeting, or I would do step work, or I'd meet up with dudes, or I'd do something to participate in my recovery. It would quiet that noise in my head, and I really can't put a label around what that noise was. If it really was static, that's just my analogy of the angst and the buildup that would happen to me as I went along my day. Right. That um, that 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 a meeting would quiet. 
Now, I don't really feel the same thing out of these. Although we had a good one the other night, Tuesday night spiritual underground meeting virtually was um, right on par. I was I was really uplifted at the end of that. Uh, we came in early, so we were able to like shoot the shit early, just like we do when we show up beforehand. And some of us stayed late mm-hmm. and shot the shit. You know, the only problem is you got to take turns, and and uh, you know you can't. You know, like you and I might step aside and talk for a minute in a real meeting, and then somebody else. And maybe three or four of us are standing around in a circle, and there's another three or four guys standing in a circle, and we all kind of do a musical chairs at some point, and you mosey on, and you talk to some other guys for a minute. You can't really have that kind of freedom in this virtual thing. But uh, it, it, it worked for me the other night. Of course, I was doing it on a PC, too, and I don't think I'd do it on a phone, on a PC, on a on a, on a a computer. Actually. Yeah, that's it's. I'm doing it on a phone, and it's it's good. It like you said, it's just one. not It's not as good. Uh you know, I actually for, set up two computers. I have a PC, which is, you know, Windows-based PC, and this is a Mac. And the only reason I have this Mac is because it has GarageBand, and I has a, and a built-in tape recorder. And basically, this machine right here is nothing more than my podcast tape recorder. That's really all I do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a little podcast maintenance with it, but that's it. So I set them both up, and I logged in on both of them. So I was able to put, like, the gallery of pictures yeah, that's over cool. on one screen. See everybody. And then the left screen I set to the speaker. So whoever was sharing would be big on this screen. And I would have to page to see everybody because we had like 28 people. But I'd have to page back and forth to see everybody. And I also got two mi- two two mice, two mouses, two mice. Uh, that one of them is running one computer and one's the other, so I'm fooling around. But but I'm pretty I'm pretty good at that. Ambidextrous. Yep. And, uh, it, and it worked really well uh, on a phone. Well, it's it just limits like it a bunch. my house is not huge. I've got my, I think my voice carries pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, you know. Yeah, you have a strong voice. Now you got a grown man talking to a phone and your wife and kids are like, what the hell is he doing in there? So it's Yeah, and in the background noise, that's another thing about these online meetings. The mute discipline is like huge because you could hear background noise. Yeah. It was really, really distracting. You know, somebody sounded like somebody had a TV on. And uh, there was other chatter where other things going words. on in the background, <laughs> and uh, and and the controller can mute people, but it's a but it's it's a little you know whoever's hosting the meeting, um, but it's a lot easier. People would have their own mute discipline to uh, unmute themselves when it was their turn to share or whatever. But it worked out pretty good, and I think we'll get better at it too. Oh yeah, you know that was a first run, and. Uh, and and now everything's going that way. The the token three, which is a clubhouse kind of thing, where they it's have the meetings one. here, was uh, they were the last soldier, to my knowledge, of open meetings, and they closed yesterday at five p.m. after the four o'clock meeting. So and they held out for a while because the Kentucky governor had yeah. suggested that they not do that, but they uh, held their ground. and And I understand that because uh, it is it's important and uh, that we have places to go do that. I have a little bit of a fear about uh, you, you looked on those, all those people on the meeting the other night. Some of them were laying in their beds, you got their head back on a pillow. Some of them got their uh, uh, in their easy chair, you know. And 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 um, we could get used to that. I couldn't. I couldn't. I I, I like. Uh, I like the face to face. I like the interaction. I like walking in the room and these dudes are happy to see you. You know, there's yeah. hugs and stuff like that. Like, 
you don't do that with you. I, you know, I, I try to do that with my friends, but you know, a lot of th- people are a little bit strange about that or whatever. But yeah, that energy of walking in a room and people seeing you and lighting up when they see you great. and that kind of stuff is really, yeah, it is. It's an energy that you don't get many places. Yeah, I don't know that I get it any places. That was a that was a big draw to the spiritual underground for me. Was uh, <clears throat> you know the first week uh, you meet so many people that it's hard to even remember faces. And the second week I walked in and you were one of the first people I saw. And I don't even know that I remembered meeting you the week before. And you're like, Kevin, right? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, who who are you? And you gave me a big hug and you're like, I'm glad you're back, man. And I'm like, I'm glad to be here. So, yeah, and I think that night we got introduced like five times by five different people. Yeah, I think uh, it was a, everybody I, was standing around and said, do you know Kevin? <laughs> yeah, I think, I'm, uh, I think that was the night I came with your brother, I think. Might have been. It might have been the week after that. I can't remember. It's because yeah. I met your brother first. Right. Uh, Over here. Yeah. I kind of followed Dan or, or uh, I'm sorry, Neil around. Um, his sponsor was actually bought me my big book. Uh, oh, did he? Yeah, we were sitting at uh, uh, the Hilltoppers. And, um, yeah, he's like, you got a big book? And I was like, actually, I got an N.A. book um, that I got in treatment just because the book looked cooler. <laughs> you know, like I don't – I didn't have any problems with – with uh, narcotics or anything like that, I just thought that the book looked cooler, so uh, that's the one I choose chose. Um, and he's like, "No, oh, you need to get rid of that. You got to get a big book." And I'm like, "All right." So uh, I have one. Of, I have both. Well, I, I still got mine. I yeah. didn't get rid of it, obviously. But uh, I work out of the Alcoholics Anonymous book. But I've read the Narcotics Anonymous book and get the message that's in there. It's a little different. So he goes, you got you got ten bucks, and I was like, man, I didn't bring any cash. And he's like, well, don't worry about it, I got it. So he goes over and he gets one of the books out of the, you know, they get the, the Tupperware there, and he gets the biggest goddamn book in that, <laughs> like he gets the old man like three inch large print, print. <laughs> the soft cover large print, and he book. slams it down on the table, and I just I didn't even touch it, I just looked at it like I'm not gonna pick that book up, dude. You gotta be out of your mind. And luckily, like, I, I probably stared at it for five minutes, and he's talking to me, and I'm just looking disgusted at this book. And, like, luckily he he's like, hold on, I'll be right back. And he picked it up, and he went and got, like, a normal-sized book. And I was like, oh, thank God. Good, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would have had to get, like, a, like a backpack for that book. <laughs> yeah, I know somebody that actually come I worked with somebody that chose to. They wanted to use the – because I say when I sponsor a guy, I have some ground rules, and one of them – uh, and I've told this story a hundred times too, was that whenever uh, Christopher first started sponsoring me, he said, you know, I'd like to sponsor you, but, and that but, man, I was like, oh, hell. You know, here's going to come all these things. Like I said, he's going to want me, he, now he's going to tell me to do some shit. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to be told what to do. Same right. thing that we was just talking about. And he said, you got a big book? I said, oh, yeah. And he goes, is it hardcover? I said, yep. And he goes, is the guy writing in it? I said, sure does. I got a lot of stuff underlined and highlighted. And he said, get a new one. And I was like, what? <laughs> get a new one you know and he said yeah we're gonna start over we're gonna uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna start over and, and and do this thing from scratch fresh again so i do the same thing today of uh, get a hard cop hard cover big book a is mine is my little bible kind of thing that i carry around you know it's some you know i know that's a little bit actually my um my gal i'm seeing right now uh said that she goes that's your bible ain't it i'm like Cut. yeah it is but the hardcover's last longer 
they just stay together longer. They're just more robust. And that's my notes and all my stuff and my guidelines on how to do this work are all in that book. And, uh, and the te- you know, the first 164 pages are a different color than the rest of them because I've had my hands all over those. And, uh, and it means something to me. Plus, that's the book I got sober with, and it really does mean something to me. If it starts falling apart, uh, I may retire it and transfer my notes before it totally disintegrates just so that I can keep it. Build like a controlled box for it. Yeah, yeah, put a, yeah, you know, put maybe vacuum packet or something. Put it behind glass. I actually have that TSSR book that Christopher gave me because when I first started, you know, he was handing that to me in Manila folders, mm-hmm. and I was reading it chapter by chapter on copy paper. And the last time through, I kept a set of it. Uh, I kept that. It's like the final manuscript, so to speak. And it's a let eight and a half, you know, it's an eight and a half pe- led by 11 pieces of paper in manila folders and it's probably a stack of and i'm kind of my hand is showing off the table probably about 10 eight ten inches. inches tall of stack of manila folders and uh and and i've been thinking about like vacuum packing it or doing something to to preserve it uh because i really do think that's going to go someplace and i think it's going to be something worth keeping uh you know might as well go ahead and start the archives uh it can't hurt is that a local thing for the most part? Uh, yeah, it started here, and then right now there's uh, three meetings in Louisville and one in Hodgenville. So, yeah. yeah I, and, uh, I don't know a lot about it. Uh, it's just the 12 steps for everybody. For everyone. And, you know, so there's three. it fills three niches in my opinion. This is, this is Dan. Uh, it's the 12 steps for people who don't fit the normal 12-step programs, you know, because these tools are viable for everyone. Um it's the 12 steps for people who have been a part of the 12-step fellowship and maybe want a deeper dive. You know, Bill says in that book, in, in the Alcoholics Anonymous book, to continue, continue, continue. And so this is an avenue to continue rather than to continue going through the same material. This is a little deeper dive. Well, I would say a lot deeper dive. But this is, can be a deeper dive as you want to take it, actually. And then its third is it fits, fits this niche where people who have come to AA and NA and other fellowships and really didn't get what is available for whatever reason, you know, I almost would like to say it didn't work. And it's not that it doesn't work because this thing works if you work it, right? We say that over and over again. But if it didn't work for you, because it doesn't flat out, some people come in and it just doesn't land for them and they don't, they don't like catch what I have. Uh, that's an avenue for there. So those are three things people who, for anybody, for the people who want a deeper dive and the people that, uh, first runs of trying to go through this work didn't work for them uh that deeper dive might might get them get them grounded quicker how's that work do they is it required that they stay sober during no it's an interesting thing i actually have the lead next week and i'm going to talk a little about that um about abstinent dates or what do you do you know no no i kind of ask my people and the book does too that you that you refrain from putting substances into you while you're doing this work. Uh, it's just a little counterproductive to sit down and uh, get ready to work on your four step and have a couple glasses of wine. <laughs> uh, so I ask my people to refrain. Uh, they haven't. Some of them don't. You know, they have all. Everybody has listened to me and done that to some extent. But you know, like if they come to me and said, you know, I was at the family's for Thanksgiving and I drank a beer, you know, I'm like, yeah, no big deal, brother. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, they're not, you know, these 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 folks aren't like me. You know, they stopped at one or two, or and I uh, didn't do that. Uh, but from a standpoint of like abstinence, that's an interesting concept. 
NTSSR because what are you trying not to do, you know? And it's, and I don't know that you have to have that in your life, but people have certain things, and I get to that when I'm talking to them about powerlessness, uh, like give me some behaviors or tell me your top three behaviors are doing you wish you weren't doing. And sometimes you have to think about that, and I'm, you know, say, so, okay, well, that's an assignment. Go home, and if you sit on your bed and close your eyes for 10 or 15 minutes and ask the universe to help you find the answers to that, everybody's got some things they're doing they probably know they shouldn't be doing. Absolutely. Uh, or their life would probably be better if they weren't doing it. Some of it's straight-up stuff that they maybe are doing outside, right? They're, I run around the earth mostly being a jerk. <laughs> I'm a dickhead a lot. Uh, I'm hard to get along with, you know, but some stuff might be stuff you're doing over in the, you know, on the side without telling anybody. The shit you're hiding, the stuff you're doing, you ain't telling nobody about. But we get to that kind of stuff, you know, and, uh, and cause I got to have some kind of framework to work that stuff around a little bit. I don't guess I necessarily have to, but I've chose to say, okay, let's, let's look at these things and let them be our focal points or maybe let's just pick the big one. And we'll work this around that primarily. And maybe we want to set some, uh, I had a really good friend that taught, brought me to, oh, to to yoga. And she had been involved in OA, Overeaters Anonymous. And taught me some principles about like a green light, yellow light, red light in those kind of affairs. And like for me, a drug or an alcohol would be a red light. Uh, but like in food, you have to eat. It's one of the things that hit me real quick is like those poor people have to moderate. I'm yeah. unable to moderate. Yeah. They are forced to moderate. That's something I thought about uh, immediately. I was, uh, why, why can't we just moderate? <laughs> why can't? Why aren't they teaching us to moderate? I didn't mean to jump in there, but that's something that, that jump was, in, man. That was I mean, definitely a thought that I had at one point. I was like, well, I think a lot of people do. Uh, you know, they're saying that you can't moderate, but why can't we be taught to moderate? That's the fun one of the two fundamental things around a description of an alcoholic is the inability to moderate. Yeah, I don't moderate anything. Yeah, I do either. everything till it hurts. Yeah, most everything. Of the time. I work till it hurts. Uh, everything. Yeah. So yeah, that makes but sense. I'd hoped that they had that answer for me. And after a while, I went back out and tried to figure out, thinking that once I had a good enough dose of Alcoholics Anonymous. That, you know, maybe you poor folks can't moderate, but I probably can. And I left for, you know, I would go back and I would leave Alcoholics Anonymous and begin to attempt to moderate my intake. And I would have some success at times. <laughs> uh, and at other times I wouldn't. And eventually I wouldn't basically run out of the ability to moderate altogether. I wouldn't, you know, I know some guys that go zero to 60 when they go hit the, when they, when they leave the room, you know, and they hit a, they take a drink. Uh, I wasn't a zero to sixty guy. Uh, I would I would shift through the gears of the three tonight and drink the other three tomorrow night, and then a couple of days later six pack, and then a couple of days later another six pack, a couple more days twelve, and then I'm back up to you know looking at the bottom of a case in the evening. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't happen all at once for me. Yeah. But those people that moderate, so that red light, green light, you know, you choose like your behaviors and you'd say, okay, this is my abstinence. This is my red light. 
you know, and whatever that is for you, you know, maybe for like in the in the in the eating in the over OA world, it could be let's say you, you know, pardon me if I say this wrong or whatever, but and and I think I'm, I feel like I've talked about this a little bit, but I think it's with somebody, not on a podcast. If you were bulimic or anorexic, and whichever one of those ones purges, maybe purging would be your red light. You know, that'd be your abstinence. I'm not going to do that. Uh, cutters, people who cut themselves do self harm. You know that you know that'd be red light. You know, right. so like in TSSR, what is that for you, right? If your problem is rage, and you yell at your kids, maybe that's the red light. I mean, it's an awful hard one to. But you know, the other thing is, is and and Becky and I talked about this the other night. That's where we was talking about this. That was the podcast I was talking about this a little bit. Uh, the other thing is, is why do I got to have like a hundred percent shame? Like it's a it's a zero sum game. What do you mean? Um, and maybe it is for me in alcoholism. But once I read that, once I take a drink, I reset, you know, and I've got this shame. Now i got to come back in and tell you all about it and feel bad. And you all going to go, oh, man, and and all that. Well, maybe in TSSR you know, or maybe in recovery communities, period, we can remove some of that shame off of that. That shame of relapse keeps some people drunk. Because they don't want to come back, come back and say, I messed up. I failed. I fell. Uh, and it does. It, that's the truth in, in recovery and in, in alcohol, alcoholics and, and addicts is that when they slip up, they don't want especially having, having some time under their belt, especially if they have some time under their belt, their chances of making it back are real low. You, know, you stumble out of the gates early on. Everybody does that. A lot of people do that. That's no big deal, and, and we accept it. So I guess my point here is, is like when you go out and you're doing this in the TSSR world, so I yelled at my kids today. It's not like I had to reset some date and get a new white chip and, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just come in, fess up. Hey, I uh, talk about it, really. You know, maybe you don't even have to do it in a group. You call your sponsor and you say, hey, man, yeah, I did this, and you get free of it because I think we are I think there is that thing that says you're only as sick as your secrets so if you're still keeping that to yourself and you're doing it and not telling anybody about it I don't think that's good for your continued progress uh, but but we don't need to like shame you over it make you get up and get a white chip you know and I, not that that's the point that is not the point of shaming that's not the point I mean of getting well, I mean, a white chip in a meeting at the, at the very least you're going to feel a little something yeah. there's got to be a tinge of it yeah so it's just interesting concepts, and I don't know what to do with it. I really don't. But I just have it in my heart that, you know, this should be – let's make this easier. Let's make this – it's hard enough already, like, to quit drinking and, and change these behaviors in our lives. It's very difficult to change, right? And uh, anything that softens that ride a little bit, you know, and, and not in the way that the big book says an easier, softer way thing. That's not what I mean. But something that, you know, that, that – that widens the path, you know, so more people can walk it. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the answer or not. No, I mean, I, I think that there's definitely a draw to it. Um, like my wife came to the spiritual underground for a birthday night one night. And, you know, uh, <clears throat> shortly before that, she, you know, we were having a conversation. She's like, you're just doing all this stuff. And, you know, I don't know what's going on. And you're not really talking to me. And um, 
you know, I'm fairly new to all this. I don't have answers for her that she wants. And, you know, my sponsor said that he would talk to her or whatever, but, and she knows that. And he's, he's told her that now. Um, but, you know, she doesn't know what's going on. And then she walks in that room with me and she gets to see the way that we interact with each other. You know, these grown men. And uh, it's not just grown men either. It's I mean, there's men in there that you want to be like. That any man would strive to be like a lot of those men in there. Yeah. Um, and she got to see the way that we're excited to see each other. We hug each other. Um we're genuine with each other and she's like i see why you come here i see why you like this meeting and i tell her all the time i'm like this meeting would be good for any man regardless of what they're going through this would be good for any man to walk into it, it, almost to the point to me where it's like i almost need to protect it like <laughs> which is <laughs> i know is wrong i like, do i totally get that man because i have some there's some protective spirit coming out lately that's part of what we talked about earlier about the meeting kind of splitting up and some people having some problems with it i got some protective well all these around it that i'm going hey hold on a minute no you are not going to i mean change this thing it's going to stay good it's going to stay what it was it's almost like uh you know you see guys that you at other meetings that you like um which i met a lot of people that i I would consider friends i love these people right Uh, yeah but a lot of times you sit there and you're like, should I invite this dude to my to my meeting? Like, to, is he gonna fit in at my meeting? Like, it's and it's not even my meeting, but you know. No, what but I, mean. I like that man, and yeah. it is my meeting. Yeah, it but, is my meeting and yours and ours. But yeah, I get that. I understand that spirit. Yeah, and I'm like that too, man. Um, I'm picky about who I tell. I don't just go tell everybody about this meeting. Well, <laughs> I actually, I got to the the underground through Travis. Travis dated my brother-in-law's wife at one point, hundred years ago. I don't know when they dated. Don't. I, it's got nothing to do with me really, but um, I guess they stay in contact. And um, I hope I'm not busting Travis's head. You <laughs> uh, didn't say his last name, so there's a bunch of Travises out there. But uh, she showed me the text message that he sent, and it was like, "Tell him if he's not a." tool or a douchebag he can come to this meeting on tuesday uh, night. and i was like i don't think i'm gonna like this guy <laughs> i don't think we're gonna get along very well but you know i love travis i'm so i'm so grateful to travis for what he's given me yeah it's uh it's like hitting hating you you know when you get to come uh, i want to be a little less of uh, of a cheerleader about it, but I'm gonna stop me and apologize. It's like he gives you know, when you get handed that, it feels like a golden key. It's like shit, man. The dude just gave me this code to the secret handshake where I get to come in and and oh, I didn't know this was available. This is not what I like. You said I see good people all over. AA is full of great people, right? But like a concentrated amount <laughs> in one spot doing what we're doing, I'm not finding that any place else. Well, you don't see what what we have either. Uh... I've been to other men's groups. Me and too. there is a tendency in in my mind for men to be kind of miserable. I don't know what that is, but it's like a little I, martyrdom kind of thing. Like almost yeah. like we, we should be like the my across to bear kinda, you know, uh Yeah, okay, we will trudge along as men. Do to do do to do. And in my mind, I'm like, man, if I'm going to be miserable, I could be miserable and drunk. Yeah. 
That's it. Gets talked about a lot. Yeah. Uh, so when you walk in these rooms and you see these people that you want to be like, and they're interacting with the, each other the way that you know, I want to interact like that. Like I've heard it in the meetings. Like the world's not safe for men. Like it's not easy for me. Uh, this is something I noticed. Like you just got a call from somebody that uh, you know is in the program, and they say like. Nobody says, I love you. Like, I love you, Dan. I do love you. Right. Uh, I say it to me. It means, it, uh, this relationship means a lot to me. And I love you. But what I hear a lot uh, as men, what we do, I uh, love you, bro. Love you. I, nobody, everyone, like, I don't know why that yeah, there's I. there's something about that I. The I is such a hump for people. Um, there is. There is something. And when I say it, like, I, I feel like an uneasiness from them. And I know it's it's uh, it's partly my uneasiness in saying it, probably, but uh, that's something I was working on before I went into the program because I wanted my son to see me tell other men that I love them. I told yeah. my friends, and I didn't. <laughs> you know, some people say it back, and some people are like, yeah. and you know, that's their problem. That's got nothing to do with me, because uh, I love these people, and I want my son to to know that loving people is not. It's not. <laughs> it's not unmanly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something only women can do. We can love each other too. Yeah, I mean, I was taken aback at the hugging uh, in the beginning. You know, I liked it. There was something about it that I was like, "Hey, I love it." But but at the same time, I had a little rejection in it and something that man old training, you know, old male training stuff that said that you know you yeah. shouldn't do this. Yeah, like I said, we uh, work construction all that stuff. Yeah, we shake hands, and it's still hard for me. Uh. I put my hand out. Like, when I see you, I put my hand out to shake your hand. Uh, you know, I'm getting to the point where I put my other hand up to grab you and pull you in, but yeah. it's hard to get rid of that. You know, you put, you put that right hand up to to greet another man. Yep. <laughs> Which we got to stop doing. Now. Yeah, <laughs> so we right. got to start All elbow bumping. Together, uh, yeah. But, uh, you, you know, uh, I find I hug other people in life, too, now more. You know, I learned to hug an A. I learned how to love an AA. I don't know that I really knew how to do that. I didn't have it in my heart where I knew it and I meant it and I felt it. I would say it, but uh, I didn't know how to mean that. I didn't know how to mean it with my kids. I had a barrier up with that. Even though I would say it and I wanted to mean it, it didn't have the power that it has in my life today. Same thing with like in the beginning, the hugging. You know, I did a little back slapping, wimpy hug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, your hugs are different than most people's hugs now. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I hug you like I, I, I love today. it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and I was taught to do that. You know, I didn't know how to do that. These guys, these men in this room taught me to do that. They, because they, and they taught about modeling it. They didn't, you know, we didn't have classes on hugging. Uh, <laughs> but they, they modeled that. And, and I began to be comfortable with it and started being able to do, you know, do that and mean it myself. You can walk in there, you see it, you're right, there's an energy. And everybody that brings a significant other goes, oh, I see now. Yeah. You know, or whatever, their dad. Or they bring, you know, my dad goes to the birthday meetings, you know, and he sees what we have in there. And he can't hear. So he don't get to hear it. Uh, I don't think you need to hear it. Yeah, you can feel it. I don't think you need to at all. I think to see those men act the way that they're doing it, like, I can't wait. You know, my son's too young to sit in there and 
not act a fool. How old is he? Wild man. He he'll be five. Yeah. Monday. Uh, Travis's little guy's about that age. He's been in a couple of times. Yeah. And he's wild too. And he's a wild man. <laughs> he's, but he's pretty. You know, he sits yeah. in there pretty good. My son's probably wilder. Uh, but I can't wait for him to see stuff like that. Like, um, well, like I said, that's something I try to model. Outside the rooms, you know, yeah. and that's where we get to open up that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, and I really want to do more of that. Uh, I'm hoping we have do a cookouts lot more of that in too. the backyard, you know, or you know that kind of stuff where everybody can come and uh, pitch in and cook and you know. And I want to try and do some more of that. I want to try to open up the the cabin a little more to that. You know, been having the men's retreats down there. Uh, and you know that's another thing. It's up in the air for the spring. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I went ahead and kind of tentatively kept it on the board because I'm not quite ready to cancel it. So I want kind of like a. I don't know when you get them wedding things that say save this date for October. Uh, so people can have opportunity to do that. And and one day I'm inclined to continue to have it in May. And then another one, it's like a hell with it. Let's just push it on out. That way we can. Yeah. Not have it hanging kind of like those kind of it's got a lot of the same energy wrapped around it as those unfinished jobs um but i'd like to do some more and i actually did uh one year i did open up the place on like we had a retreat in may and i think it was a memorial day uh, just a couple weeks later uh i invited people down and bring their families and wives and all that and we had a pretty good bunch of folks down there uh with the kids and and it was a blast yeah, kids love that place down there. And hell, any kid ain't, well, I guess you say, there's some kids that don't like the woods, but I think that's one of them other natural things. You know, once they settle in a little bit, they might be a little, have a little uh, apprehension to begin with. But once they settle in, they're like, oh, yeah, this is like a this is better amusement park. Yeah, a little freedom's good. Yeah. Ride around on four wheelers and swim in a pond. And Where is the cabin? Is it? Oh, you probably don't. It's uh, in Orange County. Orange. Between English and Paoli. Okay. Yeah, when, if it doesn't have an address, really. I'll give you GPS coordinates is what I, <laughs> what I got. Uh, Renee gave me for my two-year uh, um, sobriety date. Gave me a token that was custom-made. And it has the GPS coordinates of the That's cool. cabin on it. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping that there is more stuff like that. Like, um, you know, even though I'm his dad, I, you don't want your son to be like, "Well, my dad's just weird. He just hugs people." <laughs> like, you know, you want the other people to. And my friends are pretty good about that. I'm not saying that they're not. Um, I know most of these people that I'm running around with, children and wives, and and you know, if I see them out, I know who they are, I know their names. Of course, I got that little that's what I got that little name gift thing that came with recovery for me. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we know each other. Yeah, I've, I've actually, uh, you know, there's other meetings that I really like. Uh, Fishhead Fridays is a really good one. Um, it's got great energy in it. Yeah, I've always liked it. <laughs> and you try to take that, that hugging energy to other places, and a lot of those guys are like, all right, buddy. <laughs> you know, oh, we just shake hands here, boss. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. And like you said, man, uh the entire bless you thank you I promise that's nothing more than seasonal allergies <laughs> um, it happened to me a couple of weeks ago and when LJ was here too which LJ's podcast will come out in the morning um, yeah you can't take that hug everywhere uh, I, I tend to uh, 
but and I also know who um who's okay with it your when it's um moving around. I've frankly backed off on a lot of my meetings because uh and it's a little. Well, I sponsor a lot of people, so I'm like, and you know, the podcast and other things, and and doing some admin work around my meetings. I kind of have somehow or fell into some kind of uh, admin role of keeping track of home group lists and communications and things like that. Um, mainly because nobody else was, and I just did. Uh, somebody needed to do it. As far as I was concerned, I was not in. I was feeling uncommunicated with. And so instead of uh, complaining about feeling that, I built, uh, I began a mechanism of where we could communicate with one another, like the group me and like the little text I send out and all that. But uh, I used to go to Fishhead. Fishhead was a regular one for a while, even when it was still at Clarksville Seafood. They're still in the place. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't like that, though. I didn't like that. There was that, something about that, you know, like that smells good when it's hot. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? During me, the daytime, you're gonna have to agree to disagree on that smell. Then, uh, when it's cold, what? That smell. <laughs> what about it? Just it's just bad. That's what I said. Yeah, it's the smell all around when it, bad. When it, well, really all around bad. Yeah, bad I'm not. Smell, you know? I'm not real big on fish, so. It's, oh, okay. It's all, I'm all, all around right. bad on that. You know, like I said, it's okay when it's hot. It's like I mean, I imagine chicken joints the same thing. You know, any of that stuff. When it's hot smelling and it feels fresh. It's like okay, I can, I can, I'm okay with this. But when it's cold and it's off and it's after hours, uh, yeah, it turns. It's kind of like um, my dad owned a bar growing up, and I don't know if you. Uh, there used to be a bar out here off Charleston Road called Lone Star, Lone Star Bar and Tavern. It was where the old tumbleweed used to be. You know, when the tumbleweed was at the corner of Slate Run Road and Charleston Road. Yeah. Well, before that was the tumbleweed, it was a Lone Star. That's been tumbleweed. That was tumbleweed as long as I can remember. I think tumbleweed was like '87. I was born in '86. Oh, were you? I think so. Yeah, I graduated. Well, high I know when I was. I know when I was born. I, I think, think it was '87. <laughs> I had to call mom. Uh, <laughs> Let me check my license. Yeah, right. Uh, I graduated high school in '87, <laughs> and uh, but Dad owned that, and I still today that morning bar smell of the stale beer and all that i still remember that from being a kid you know by going to bar in my days i don't smell that but the cold bar you yeah know, tomorrow morning it's uh, you know they had the mats in there that like so that it didn't you know, like keep you above it's almost like drainage grates down underneath the floor where it kept you above the slop yeah awful <laughs> We actually designed lives around that. You know, we made products. That's another interesting thing, you know, and I heard that the liquor stores are going to close. Do you really? hear that? No, I haven't heard that. Yeah. There'll be a run on that next. Uh, yeah, there is, I think, right now. Somebody said, like, uh, I don't remember, but uh, there's some rumors already about, because I, uh, you know, you drive down the road and every restaurant's closed. You know, the drive throughs are open and they're packed and the pizza joints are still delivering pizzas. And thank God for all that, right? Um but, yeah, it's interesting that the liquor stores are still open. I was telling somebody yesterday, I said, yeah, they close them things up for very long. That can be a problem. That's like that, that, that's, taking, that's taking the drug away from addicts. And there's only a certain while that that's tolerated. People who really need that in their lives will have some issues. When, uh, you know, I, I broke in houses to steal pain pills. 
because those weren't at the store. I couldn't just go down the street and buy them. But you can go down the street and buy alcohol all day long mm-hmm. for now. Yeah, that'd be interesting for sure. And I see people, I see the run on Facebook and stuff like that as it gets tossed around. Well, I'm going today and stocking up. If I, if I, if I, uh, if I ration myself, I can make it through. That's how everything is. It seems like everything's getting its turn. I think they said they sold like 3,000 guns in Clarksville three days ago. Or yeah, I've heard crazy. of guns thing. Yeah. I didn't, I keep my nose out of the, out of the news, but, uh, for whatever reason, I, have this uh, little bit of something like to touch base with it once a day or so. And last night, you know, like they put the nightly news is on YouTube. So you can pause it and do all that. And so as I was laying to go to bed last night, I turned on one of the nightly news things. But it really is some serious doom and gloom, man. And I don't know that I can swallow it at the level that it's being fed to me. It's it's definitely getting scarier. Uh, you know, I thought I was kind of untouchable, you know, just like everybody else said that it's kind of like a joke like um i'm 33 years old i'll be all right like i'm not gonna get sick i'm healthy i'm not even drinking anymore i'm gonna be golden uh and if you do get sick you're probably not gonna die right you just get the flu right uh but now you know with the you know i just have no idea what it's gonna do to the economy and stuff like that that's scary i'm hearing about guys on the couch now from work you know being laid off i can't afford that right now like that's you know, if work dries up, I don't know what the hell's going to go on. And I can't do side work because people don't want you in their house. I know you said you're working in people's houses, but, you know, that might change too soon. So It may change. Yeah, you know, it already has slowed down in the past week. This past weekend was the first weekend I didn't have any leads off the app I use. I get It feeds me leads, and I have this little, like, uh, my visualize this happening every weekend is that, you know, people are busy at work all weekend or doing their deal and taking the kids to school and going to work and then they're around the house on the weekend. And they go, well, dang, we need to get that fixed. Or, honey, when are you going to? Yeah, when are you going to do this? Uh, and some of them get on there. And so every weekend I'll end up with a little flurry of leads that will develop out some work. And last weekend, since I've been doing this little handyman gig, last weekend was the first weekend that I had no leads all weekend. I got one last night, uh, but the gal didn't want to pay me. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, it's funny what some one people pay you and then what some people will balk at. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. For sure. She wants some, you know, and, and again, you know, and I have to. It's really hard to price yourself, but you know, she's got a. She wants a TV mount put in a limestone wall that's inside. You know. And you know, there's spe- you gotta have mason hammer drill, and you're bringing special tools to the ball game, you know, and 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 you also have a little risk of cracking one of them things or something happening, you know. And uh, yeah, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't like my price. And uh, and today, I really, as I do this thing more and more, you know, if I don't value myself, nobody else will. So I, I can't have- drop down into doing them out of my kindness of my heart kind of thing, even though there's a piece of me that really wants to do that. Oh yeah. I know. I know what you're talking about. I'm an, I'm an optimist. So it's hard for me to bid things like that because I'm a, I always think I can do it and I can do that in 20 minutes. And then two days later, I'm like, oh, God, I'm supposed to be done. Yeah. That's why <laughs> after doing this for a while, I'm starting to learn that deal and to put some cushion in it. Yeah. And, you know, and the other thing is I got to drive a half hour to this person's house and a half hour home. So even if it does take, you know, and it takes everything takes a half hour. You can't do nothing in less than a half hour. Out. Yeah, you can't get tools out of the truck. Get set up. You know, you gotta shake hands for a minute. 
and uh, or talk and greet, meet and greet for a minute. And there's another thing that I've had to build in is that people like to talk to me now. It might be actually the other way around. Maybe I like to talk to people. Uh, <laughs> not, but, not a guy with a podcast. Yeah. And uh, But I'll end up having some time. And I know I can't really charge for that, but I also have to look at that because I know I'm going to be there for a little while. You know, this is not going to be a walk in the door. And, and there is some people that uh, I'll get into, like, and I, and I don't mean this completely, but like almost some antisocial people once in a while that they just don't want, you know, come in here and do that and leave and you don't get much out of them. Uh, and and I, I you know I'd rather be a little friendly personally, but those you get in and out a little quicker. And I kind of you know there's some when you do it you go hmm you know in and out they're quick, uh, but uh, most people want to talk a little bit, especially like today, with the shit that's going on around the world. Yeah, they're happy to see somebody. Yeah, they're talking, and, uh, you know, and they want to explain to me how where they're at and all this, you know, and uh, and a lot of them. Here's another thing, man. A lot of them are older women that uh, I don't think they, they just don't have a lot. You know, they don't have people in their lives a lot. And and, uh, and I'm okay with talking to them, but they're, they're, they want to socialize a little bit. And I'm okay with that. So I had to build that kind of stuff in, too, I've learned, you know, because, hell, everything takes a half a day, to be honest with you. Because if you're going to drive to somebody's place and you're going to execute some work and you're going to drive home, you got to block off that half a day for that activity. Mm-hmm. So you got to get compensated for that half a day. So I have to charge you at a half a day, not per hour. No matter if it gets, it takes 20 minutes or, you know, and sometimes you lose your ass and you're there for a few hours and yeah. maybe you have to go home and get a tool and come back. Yeah. I've definitely done that once or twice. Yeah. But you were back talking about like not being able to work and, uh, and I don't want you to say where you work. Do you work for, you have an employer that you work for that you're like, yeah. Because uh, you're an electrician, right? Yeah. And I don't want you to say it, but I'm just like, you know, sometimes electricians are contract kind of dudes that are like a little bit on their own, but working for somebody. It's something like that. But are you union? I work, yeah. I work specifically for this contractor and I stay with them, but I have the ability to go out. But, you know, we're not unique in any way. Work's drying up across the board. There's, right. there's guys signing the book, which just means that they're laid off and they're looking for work. Um, yeah, right. And signing the book at the, at the union hall saying, hey, I'm available to work. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not to brag or anything, but I think I take care of, like I said, it's important to me to be the guy that takes care of things. So I think that that shows, but that also doesn't matter at the end of the day. At, at some point, it slows down to the point where everybody's home or whatever, then I'm also going to be home. Yeah. Is there some seniority kind of stuff as far as that goes? or are you Yeah, but I'm not real high up on it or anything like that. Right. I've, I've been... Well, I was going to say, I was going to assume, because I know you had some other careers before this one, and, uh, and that uh, that might put you on a, a little bit shakier ground, potentially, if it's a, some seniority things going on. Yeah. I've never had it, you know, if I wanted to work, I've never had any problem finding it. So. Well, it's been really good lately. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea this handyman gig was going to rock away. It's rocking. I mean... I'm pretty much, you know, up into this past week, I've been able to choose my jobs. That's the other thing, too. You know, a job looks like a big pain in the ass. I don't have to do it. Right. <laughs> I can pass. Yeah, I mean, I try not to worry about it too much because there's nothing I can do about it. But Powerless. Yep. That serenity, picture of me and you. That serenity prayer is helping a lot lately. Yeah, it is. Fundamental stuff. Uh, that's. I mean, I say it. I say it at least twice before I get out of bed in the morning, and I say it at least twice at the end of the day, and I think about it constantly. 
post this picture on our little group thing. It's another uh, odd deal. Is that uh, you know, it's good that we have all this. You know, this technology is a bane in some people's existence at some level, but uh, like through these times, man, it's like critical for staying. Can you imagine if we were still on telephones or, you know. Uh, yeah, regular telephones and no way to really contact people and like these group chats and different avenues that we can actually stay in contact with one another. Um, I learned this group me thing from nicotine quitting and they showed me that app and I thought, hey, this would be cool in my recovery circles. And of course, people are a little hesitant to anything new. In the beginning, right? Well, it's a bit weird. Like, I wrestled uh, my sponsees into it at first, you know. So it was just me and a few of my sponsees in the beginning. And then uh, as, it, as it caught fire, uh, you know, this particular one got 60-something people in it, almost 70 people. Not all of them participate, but. Well, it's a bit weird. Like, uh, I mean, this is the same type of thing. Like, I was, you know, I was not, not planning on talking about it here, but I was going to ask you, like, um, you know, anonymity is part of, the traditions, um, and, and I understand that it's a my spiritual dis- foundation right. of all our traditions. Right. <laughs> so I understand that that's my option to give up or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, it is a bit strange to have all this information. Um, well, you like know, the, it's not socially acceptable to, to. More so. It's more so. It definitely is becoming more and more. Um, you know, where people understand it's a disease, but um, it's not exactly great to have that information out there that totally forgot the mood line <laughs> i mean this would be searchable almost you know what i mean like uh i don't know how easy it would be to find but on this the podcast you're yeah. talking about like because the group chat or, is the group well, chat the group is chat's a little bit different private. But, i mean you have to be by invite but there are a bunch of people in there so you are giving up your anonymity to one another for sure but that's, not, all, that's yeah. not part of the traditions the traditions actually not polite to within our, the group so I mean, there's also, you know, you're, there's, I understand that it's fifth step stuff, um, but you're also, you know, you're putting data out there in other people's hands. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have, you know, I've never really been anonymous. I don't protect my anonymity much. And, of course, then once I started doing this podcast and stuff, my anonymity is out the window. I, I just grenaded it because I post on social media and promote this thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm – and, you know, and some people would take exception to that. Some uh, some hardcore traditionalists would take exception to what I'm doing here. Um, I don't know about taking exception to it. Uh, but the thought did occur to me that this is something that's going to be There's some people have possibly to come on here because of their anonymity. I, I believe that. And that's I was, okay. And I, I mean, curious. I'm totally okay with that. You know, you protect your anonymity at the level that you need to. And if that means not coming on here or that means no having no pictures taken and published, uh, I am totally cool with protecting your anonymity at the level that you wish me to do so. But I don't think you can tell me where my line is. No, you know I don't I mean? think I can either. I think that's your choice. But yeah. it, it, it was just... The thought did occur to me. <clears throat> yeah, because uh, you know I'm not very far in the steps or anything like that, and also yeah, thinking about court cases, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, and 
I'm pretty sure prosecutors aren't sitting around Googling you or anything like that, but hell, I don't know. And it, I guess that's my alcoholic mind, you know, I'm building. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> about that. I mean, I would bet you that, uh, I'll bet you, you know, and it probably matters what you, you know, if you got a public intoxication or something, I doubt that prosecutors Googling you, but if you got something else, they might be, yeah. uh, to give, to go out and see who you are. I mean, like when I was in the middle of my divorce, my lawyer told me, do not post anything suspect on social media um don't want to load up anybody's guns um and one of the reasons i'm doing this podcast and one of the reasons i ask people to allow me to post a picture of us together on the website uh speaking of that spiritualunderground.org uh pictures of the guests and uh show notes and things like that links to the podcast um also the First three chapters of TSSR audio is on there, too, if you wanted to get a little taste of that, what that's about. People will say, what's the TSSR about? Well, I read the first three chapters in there, and uh, that'll give you a taste, give somebody a taste about what it's about without having to like invest in the book. But back to the thing, um, is because I would like to draw down, and, and I hope that to take a little bit of a line of, uh, of helping to remove the stigma around this disease, so that they look and see that I am not what you think of when you think of an alcoholic, and neither are most of my guests. And by seeing these people, and like you said, it's some of that same energy of like walking in that room of spiritual underground and going, hold on, this ain't what I thought it was going to be. Uh, when I first came to AA, I thought I was going to see the, you know, the under the bridge kind of, under the overpass kind of drunks. I really did. In my mind, I wasn't sure what I was going to see when I walked into a room. Uh, I thought I was going to see a bunch of miserable people just trying to stay sober. I thought I was going to see those old men and uh, those miserable old men. I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to have to sit and, you know, breathe in secondhand smoke and drink black coffee with miserable old men. And, you know, that that's out there for sure. Especially if you want that. We got the token club here yeah. in New Albany. You can go, you can go, you can smoke, go smoke cigarettes yeah, and you can go breathe a secondhand smoke if you want to. Yeah. Um, I will just put a little disclaimer out there that Token Club helps a lot of people, and a lot of people are are hurting right now because it's closed. And if you're a hardcore smoker and you're trying to get sober, Token Club, um, there's a place you can go, you know, and that's one of the great things about this recovery community here in the Louisville metropolitan area is that there are some, used to be, some 500 meetings a week, and if you weren't finding what you wanted, you just wasn't looking hard enough because there's true. about every flavor of AA going on around here in recovery in general, but certainly under the AA thing. Uh, if you want to go to a smoking meeting, there's one you can get to. I don't know of any others besides down there. I think it's the only one anymore. And it runs, I'm pretty sure, too. Yeah, I've got a buddy who uh, I'm starting to work with uh, come into my life, and I don't think he'll have any problem with this. But it's interesting as you do this stuff, you know, uh, I met (laughs) – in 2017, I quit nicotine, and I met some people, and then that led me to meet this gal that was an ex-smoker that is in the nicotine-quitting world, and she lives in California. um, And we've become friends virtually, you know, across the world. I've never met her. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, she asked me if uh, she told me about a friend of hers that was quitting that wanted to stop drinking. And yeah, I've seen and, him in the group. Yeah, and contacted me. And in uh, in now he's in our group and has asked me to take him through the work. Yeah. So I'm gonna take him through the work between here and he lives in Texas. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, and I believe it can happen. Um. Well, there's two places in the steps where I really like to be with somebody. 
and well, I'd like to have eaten with them the whole time, but this is the third step and the fifth step. Uh, we are not to either yet, and we do this thing one day at a time. So, uh, And I've done a third step with somebody across the Internet already and doing like FaceTime and that kind of stuff. And although, yes, I would rather be with them, I, don't, I think, that, I think I, the same power is delivered. I think that universal power out there doesn't really matter. That we're, It's nice when we're close. It's not 100% required. And, uh, but my point was is that they're still smoking down there in some, quite a few meetings. That's where I was going around. I go Hold the great state of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Uh, you said you don't like to be told what to do. I think that's Texas yeah. state that's, motto. Is that on the flag? Yeah. 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 But uh, so I, I really thought that that – I was really surprised when he said that because I just thought that probably that was probably a thing that was nowhere. But he's like, oh, man, they're smoking meetings here. I'll get tired of cigarette smoke. I'm like, wow. You can still do it in Kentucky. They just don't in Louisville, I think. Yeah. I believe. Uh, I mean, I know I went to Land Between the Lakes, and we went to a restaurant, and they had smoking, and it's like, where the hell? How did we – what time machine did we get into? Yeah, right. When I first started working at Vote, we were talking about that earlier. You know, we smoked in the office, you know, and I had a big ashtray right on my desk, man. I mean, you – and I didn't smoke, and I used to smoke. Uh, uh, but we uh, – you burn up a lot. I didn't smoke that much, I don't really think. But I burn up a lot of cigarettes in a day of work because I would take a couple hits off of them and they just, just burn up in the ashtray. And you light another one up and you know, and you end up with a big giant. But then you dump those stinky ass ashtrays into the garbage in the office, and it just blows my mind that we used to do that. Smoking in airplanes. I've been in an airplane when you could still smoke. Oh my gosh. I remember seeing the ashtrays. I've never yeah, seen I think, anybody smoke. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had the first time I ever flew. I flew to Germany to visit Neil. He was stationed in Frankfurt, Germany. And I think that was in '92. And uh, and you could smoke on that trip. I argue they had a bar in the back of the airplane. You could stand around and smoke, and you could smoke at your seat too. But people would go back and you'd stand around this bar and order drinks. And people stood around just like a bar and smoked cigarettes. It's so crazy. That's so wild. I know it is crazy. It's crazier than hell. Uh, so what are your feelings on, like, I mean, you know, share with me a little bit about this whole thing about, like, all of a sudden not being able to go to meetings. I don't love the the online meetings. They're They're good. Um, I like to sit and listen to them. But like I said, I've had no real desire to share because it just, I feel like a, you know, you're just holding this little phone in your hand and you're, you just, it feels dumb. Feels so <laughs> impersonal it, and. Yeah, it just, it's very strange. Um, it's too easy to get distracted. You know, I've got two kids at home, wife, you're trying to make dinner or whatever. I can't I can't pay attention to people talking when I'm doing all this stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you have to set it aside. You have to honor it in a way. You have to go over in a room and close the door, almost like it's time to do homework or something, you know? it's. But it almost seems like it's not fair for me to be there and not be there. You know, when, yeah. like for my wife. Like you need to drive you know, down the street and sit in your car and do it. It like almost has said. to be something like that. Like, I've got to... Uh, I've got to go. I've got to go do something. Uh, because when I try to do it at home, you know, my son... Uh, he's interested in what's going on. Well, I want to. I want to go to a meeting. Like, why can't I be in the meeting? And it's like, well, buddy, this is kind of my thing. So, the whole time he's waving into the camera and doing all this other nonsense. Or, like I said, I'm trying to make dinner. Uh, it just doesn't feel fair to me 
to be home and not be there. Like I'm trying to be in a meeting. So I don't, I don't love it. Uh, I've heard people say like, just get in the truck or, you know, drive down the street, like you said, but I don't know that that would change it for me. I probably should try it at least once or twice. Yeah. But I don't think you're having a choice because I think you're going to need to at least be. And so, I mean, you know, I don't want to tell you what to do as a suggestion, but, uh, I think we need – I don't really want to do it either, to be honest with you. You know, I don't want to. And I rejected it to begin, to begin with. And the first place it come into my life is through the Mankind Project, this virtual thing. And I had taken off a few Tuesday nights to go to do Mankind for a little bit, to go keep my toes in the water there. And they were doing uh, – they said, no, we're not going to do face-to-face. We're going to do it virtually. And I said, screw that, man. I'm going to go be with my brothers and meet them up face-to-face, you know. I reject this Zoom thing completely, and they were ahead of the curve. Turns out they were uh, they were exploring this avenue before we were, uh, and I don't want to do it, but but I need meetings in my life, and I need that today. I know I need that at some level, not at some level. I need that period, and uh, and so I'll keep on doing it. I like it. I like to see everybody's face, like you said. Uh, you know. I, I've been thinking I'm probably going to start trying to do it on my wife's computer. I don't have a computer. I just use my phone for it. Um, I think that that would help a little bit, even just something as simple as not doing it on your phone. Um, I think that would help. I joked around in my own head the other day about, like, saying, telling people they could come here. Because for the most part, my house is pretty quiet. And I have two computers. You know, I was like, well, you can use that one. And... Uh, we could actually sit in the same room together uh, and be in a Zoom meeting together, but separately. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 it wasn't really a joke, but I also still want to, I don't think that we have to, we're not, excuse me, we're not under 100% quarantine yet. <laughs> yeah, but the more stuff you do like this, the more likely it is that you have that 100% quarantine. Yeah, you know, maybe. The more you get together, the, the more likely it is. Um, that we had that quarantine. Yeah. I've been lucky enough though. I've, I've had, uh, we met just down the street. Um, and it wasn't really a meeting so much, you know, I guess anytime two alcoholics get together, it yeah. is a meeting, but, um, so you just went and met somebody and just hung out yeah, a little bit uh, and talked. Brian was, he's going to meetings that he normally goes to yeah. and he sits in the parking lot just in case somebody, you know, a newcomer shows up. He's like, man, I, uh-huh. I thought that was fantastic uh, when he shared that the other night. Everybody talks about that small window. Um, small window of opportunity. Yeah. Small and window of opportunity shuts. that once it's shut, it's, it's shut. Uh, I don't know that I felt that, but I understood the sentiment of it. Um, and since he was going, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to go sit with you. And he's like, I'll be there. And I know we're not supposed to do that, but we ended up, and shit, there was tornado warnings that night, so we really shouldn't have been heard. I don't know what, it's a watch or a warning, I don't know what the difference is, but we were sitting there underneath the carport, yeah, Thursday at the Seekers. Because we went to uh, face-to-face when we weren't Oh, really yeah, you had the TSS to, so, uh, And earlier in the day, somebody mentioned not that closing state borders, I heard somebody say something about that, so I'm like Googling that to make sure that, you know, I'm not breaking any rules by crossing the state line. And then we're not really supposed to be meeting in groups greater than 10. Yeah. And there was a tornado, whatever, going on. I was like, boy, this, is a, yeah. this feels like a lot of rules to be breaking. Yeah, we sat out underneath the carport. Cool. Had a, How far away from here do you live? Uh, I'm in Jeff. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm 15 minutes, maybe. Yeah. Probably less than that. Because that is in my backyard. Yeah. I got married in that church. Really? Yeah. I've never been in that church. I've been past it 100 times. Yeah. A couple times going to Steinert's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we didn't go to that church. It's just the one we picked to get married in. Yeah. It's close. Convenient. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I walked. <laughs> I bet. It's another yeah. one of them ones, a pre-priming, man. I could not. Yeah, I couldn't go stand up in front of them people without having some beer in me. Well, I did the same thing. The pictures look like I'm uh, scared to death, too. And I was. Uh, I was not happy We about getting married. <laughs> uh, we decided we'd write our own vows. And um, I'm a procrastinator to the fullest. <laughs> if I don't have to do it today, then I'm not going to do it today. Uh, I assumed I was going to do it the rehearsal night, you know. And uh, one of my groomsmen is like, well, we're going out. And I'm like, I'm not going out. I got to go, you know, my wife's at home. I got to go stay with one of y'all. And he's like, well, we're going out. I'm like, well, I can't go out, dude. I got to work on vows. He's like, well, we'll go have a few and we'll go write your vows. And I'm like, you know, I knew what was up. I knew the, like, I knew what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to go have a few. No, we didn't have a few. I had to carry him in on my, the night before my wedding. Uh, and and then, you know, we're getting dressed. I woke up late. We're getting dressed and trying to get my son dressed and everything else. I'm hungover as all get out. We're drinking then. You know, I'm trying to take the edge off first and also trying to, you know, kill some of these nerves. And I'm just like, well, as long as I hit the mark, I'll be all right. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be up there. I'll be able to go up there and bullshit my way through this. I did awful. I was stuttering. I was repeating myself. I talked for about five seconds. Yeah. Yeah, so I did the same thing. I, I pre-gamed the wedding and missed the mark for sure. Yeah, I always overshot the mark. My daughter is texting me. Wants to know if her friends can come spend the night here. That's probably, uh, somebody else is wanting to know if I'm still podcasting. I probably should put this down. Can you add this feller to the group me? Yes, I can. <laughs> Later. Busy man. So you already had kids when you got married? You said I had, um, we had my son. He was um, a year. A year old. Yeah. Just under, maybe. Just under. He was there. Yeah. Yeah, add a whole new element, like you said. Yeah, now i got an infant to deal with at a wedding with a hangover and drunk buddies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a mess. Yeah. We had my bachelor party at this house. Mom and dad left. It was uh, out of control. I think we did. <laughs> that's the truth, man. Because that's a long time ago, man. I got married in '96. Uh, but there's a veil. I talk about this in the podcast. There's some veil where there's a lot of shit that's pretty cloudy back there. And the clouds are coming up, you know. Stuff. Uh, my future's becoming more clear, and so is my past. <laughs> uh, I just frankly don't remember some of that stuff as well as I might hope to. And some of it, I wonder about the books that's fancy to real. Some of it, I'm not sure. I think I told enough stories and lies about stuff for a while that the truth got obscured. 
and I ain't quite shook it out completely in my head. Some justification and stuff on some behaviors that I wanted to say one thing about, but I wanted to tell you this about it, but that wasn't necessarily true. I was curious. Um, you said, you know, when we were talking earlier you're off the podcast, you were talking about how you came to the realization, um, I hope this is all right, um, about your abandonment issues um, through working the program. And whenever I hear people say stuff like that, I'm always curious, uh, I guess, how that realization come about. Like, was it something that you just, uh, did you feel like that light bulb turned on or is it something that your sponsor pointed out to you? Is it something, did it come slowly? Did it smack you in the face? I don't know. You know, stuff like that. Like just when that you come particular to this thing come through more in a slower variety. It was from doing, you know, the first time that I worked the steps, uh, my sponsor told me to put my mom and dad at the top of my resentment list. And I, you know, I kind of balked at that thought because I didn't, I love my mom and dad, you know, they didn't, I didn't need to have them on my resentment list. Uh, he said, do it anyway. And I did. And, but I really wasn't willing to look at that, that, that element in my life at that point in time. So I just kind of breezed over it. And, you know, this is a little bit of uh, judgment on my part about my sponsor and that, but he allowed that, you know, he wasn't going to hammer that away, you know, but I do remember him poking them buttons a little bit, but Hey, how about, and I was, no, nah, man, my mom and dad are great people and they are, but it doesn't mean I wasn't picking up some shit because of it that they're being good or bad or whatever really has very little to do with the fact that i what my perception and the baggage i carried as a result of it those two things can be completely separate and independent uh but the second time through the steps um at that point i was a little bit more in position to uh look at that stuff and uh and it came about a little deeper as i of course by second time through the steps my mom had passed away by then um, Did it feel easier to resent her when she was gone? Uh, you know, I don't know if that's what that meant or not, but I knew there was some work to do around it because of missing her, and I never really grieved over it for a while. That was something that was weird. I didn't really grieve over that process, and I felt like almost guilty because I wasn't grieving over it. Uh, but when I went and, you know, and sponsor, you know, my sponsor, I can't really remember exactly how he said it, but, you know, my noticer, I was beginning to notice that there was a lot of shit going on that wasn't quite right. And it was usually with you guys, you know, with other people, not me. And when, my, when I started showing those symptoms, my sponsor said, hey, man, it might be a good time to go another trip through the steps here. And so I did. And, uh, and at that time, this just happened organically that I looked a little deeper into that stuff. And but it was really pointed out to me through fifth step of being able to as I as I talked about the stuff and shared it in the fifth step, my sponsor helped me uh, explore what was going on there. So it, it came more in that not a slap in the head thing, but it came more in that process of doing that. And then some of us came still growing over the years after that too from other work I've done, like going to yoga teacher training and going to a mankind new warrior training thing and doing work under that. That you know the continuing uh, onion peeling that happens. Do you think uh, it was more something? will be revealed, kind of stuff? More will be disclosed as I continue to operate, work this program. That's what I was going to say. And I'm more clear today than I ever have been about it. More would be revealed. Do you think it's something that you knew and weren't accepting, or I think it was something I was unwilling to look at? 
No, that was not on purpose. I think that's just part of the process. Um, I got to get the drugs and alcohol out of the way and get the fog off of me and get that immediate. You know, so another friend of mine says bullet wounds and paper cuts or something like that. I had to get the bullet wounds out of the way before I could even see the paper cuts. You know, and this whole thing does. Uh, I've said this before too, and that you know, when I first got to Alcoholics Anonymous, they told me I was spiritually sick, and I thought they were telling me I didn't have any religion, and I didn't. But I still was pissed when they told me I didn't, uh, and I took offense to that. I was offended that their assertion of what they thought they knew about me being spiritually sick. Who are you to say that? What I'm coming to know today is that my spirit, my true spirit, my soul, and everybody I talk to believes that we that each person has this virtual kind of this universal fingerprint that's the same as the fingerprints on the end of my fingers are different than yours. I have this thing that makes Dan, Dan, and there is not another one like me anywhere. There's not another Kevin anywhere. And that is a unique thing about me, and that is my very spirit, my essence, my soul. And it had become sickened over the years and poisoned. It's got stepped on. My spirit got stepped on from various things. And nobody, you know, well, some people were stepping on me on purpose to some extent, but I don't think they were intended to hurt me, bullies and things like that. That wouldn't think, like, let's get him. You know, not the same energy like, you know, that dude cut me off in traffic. Well, he didn't cut you off. He cut whoever was in that spot in the universe off. He was not aiming at you. Uh, it's not about you, me, uh, that same thing, my spirit got stepped on, you know, and it's paper cuts, mostly. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. It's not an ascent. And some people do have a singular big event or something like that, so it's like a big catalyst, you know, a big thing around it. But a lot of my stuff is the paper cuts. And, I, and, and through working this process and these steps in my life, I begin to find new paper cuts in other ways that I'm not operating in the way that, I, that, 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 that keeps me... Um, I continue to be able to operate in a better manner and be a little bit better version of me every day by continuing to patch up these paper cuts. And like the mom and dad issue is a bigger paper cut. It's, it's, say that's a paper cut was not true. It's a knife wound. <laughs> but it was like in my back or something yeah. where I couldn't see it. You know? Yeah, out of sight. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, you know, and I see that. And I, and I really do think that's important. I encourage my guys to do that, but uh, not, you know, some do and some don't. My sponsor encouraged me to take another trip through the steps. He didn't make me. How many times have you done them? Three in five years. Um, but I've also done other things that were growth spurts for me in other arenas too. So like yoga teacher training was a lot like step work. It was inquiry. It wasn't just about learning to be teach people how to do poses. We were doing inquiry work and meditation and, and looking at the things that made us who we are today try to unprogram some of the old programming there's the same thing mankind is a similar kind of process where you're going trying to unwire some of these faulty things going on by in your past and try to get them straightened out so that you know our synapses are firing more cleanly today uh so all that work i've done over past years past five years has really you know had a big impact on me uh, and i think it's that way you know like i said that First time through the steps is like going in. I've said this before too, and I keep shouldn't keep apologizing for this stuff. But I like these analogies. It's like going into a horse stall and getting all you know. First time through, is going and getting the big horse patties out of there, you know. And the next time through is just you know. Now I'm gonna go you maybe get some of the dirty hay out, and you know as we continue to work on ourselves, before long we're in there with a mop, and, and we're getting ourselves pretty cleaned up. That's what I was curious. You said you never really plan on having another sponsor. 
but I guess you're kind of working the steps, you know, through the yoga and stuff like that. You said you're kind of working the steps and every time you elsewhere. Through it. Yeah, I, I could see that for sure. But I, you don't see any benefit to trying to do it with someone else, like yes, specifically under the I spirit. Uh, and my sponsor would totally sponsor. be on board with that, too. And, you know, has given me permission for that, that, uh, you know, if there was ever a time I met somebody that I would like to like take me through the steps. I wouldn't have to sever the, response, the, the the relationship with him in order to do that. We could set it on a back burner, and I offer my guys the same thing. You find a new teacher and you don't necessarily want to drop me uh, completely, uh, and maybe you'd work the steps with this other person and you changes your mind and you want to go ahead and continue Stay. working with that person, you know. But we wouldn't have to sever it, and I think we, I th- we actually encourage that in our circles to go look for other teachers. I just haven't found that yet. I just haven't bumped into that. And there's been some times where I felt, uh, you know, somebody specifically lately, uh, at some level, I feel like I gave them all I could give them. And I'm more, I'm more than willing to continue to sponsor them. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. But I really do think I, I think I maybe gave them all I can give them. And, and um, in order for them to grow more, they probably do need a new teacher, a new person. Uh, And, you know, it's a decision on whether you want to completely make the jump and change sponsors or if you want to take the avenue. I just explained about, you know, about, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to continue. You wouldn't necessarily have to. I took somebody through the steps not long ago that I did that, just sponsored by my sponsor. The person was sponsored by my sponsor and asked me to take them through the work. But they didn't, you know, they didn't sever that relationship with the old spots. They just went through the work with me and then Sponsorship's a kind of a strange thing to me because uh, you know it's not in the not really in the book, not really in the book. So um, you know, the reason for like the TSSR model and stuff is taking some of these concepts that we've advanced. That's what some of the stuff that's in that book is stuff that where these concepts are advanced, like your that that particular thing right there. We've advanced that concept beyond what's in the Alcoholics Anonymous book. It just seems like something that there should almost be like some sort of literature. For in the there book, there is. Oh yeah, in the book. Well, I, I've never seen it. You know, there's I don't a really... bunch of AA pamphlets and literature and stuff, and some of them are on sponsorship. Yeah, and give some guidelines on what that looks like today, or what that can look like. You it's know, just such no an, rules. Yeah. It's such an intimidating proposition to a new newcomer. And getting a you sponsor. Know, I don't know that I ever would have had Mike not uh, approach me. You know, it's a good thing that we did. We do that. We say, "Hey, man, you want a sponsor?" And you know, and that's how I picked up the guy in Texas to some extent. I said he wasn't finding. You know, he was. He wasn't finding what he was looking for down there, you know. And I said, hey, this, just just like what you said, there's a window of opportunity here, man. And I hate to see it slam shut on you when you've been so eager to move forward. So if you want, I will I will temporarily sponsor you or I will sponsor you yeah. uh, to keep your window of opportunity going so you can continue to get some traction here because I can promise you the window will slam shut. I don't yeah. know when, That's but a you big need thing. to be getting some traction before it does. Yeah, you go to these meetings, and uh, you know a lot of meetings say like, uh, if you're willing to sponsor, raise your hand or whatever. And people touch the sky as quick as they can, and then they go right back down. Like, <laughs> I mean, just like a free throw oh, or something. They don't <laughs> hold their hands like, up straight. Like, so you can't before like, you can before you can look around. It's that's gone. a good point. I'm gonna make that point. That's I something mean. that I would say to 
everybody. Say, like, if please you do raise that, your hand and hold it there for a minute, so the people who are looking for a sponsor have a moment to see your hand in the air. Give somebody that's apprehensive about the whole situation five seconds to look around would be. Yeah, like, that's a good point because I remember doing that when I first got to Spiritual Underground because I was watching for Christopher to raise his hand and he never did. And you know, I'm trying to figure out. Okay, yeah, who did he have his hand up or not? You know. Uh, and, and it happened, like you said, yeah, it's almost like, a, well, hell, some free throw shooters hold their damn follow through longer. Yeah, they don't, there's no follow through in, in volunteering the sponsor. That's a very good point, man. I'm going to bring that up. There's a lot of things, like, there's a, that's, it's such an intimidating process, like I said. It can be. Um, Especially for a newcomer, yeah, to, to ask somebody to sponsor them and all that is, uh, is definitely uh, intimidating. And you know, I, you know, I can't say anything about anybody else, but like as a man, it's it's difficult to go to another man, help me, and ask for help. Terrifically different, difficult. It's kind of one of the uh, keys. There's some underlying principles in here that's like, you know, oh, because a, that's so hard. I'm so that's bad. That's part at of why it works. Help. Yeah, I'm terrible at it's asking. It's the same age old thing about. I mean, it's the cliche of dudes not asking for directions when they're out moving around. You know, a dude won't stop and ask for directions because we don't have to anymore. But there was a day when you didn't find some place without a map, paper map, or going and asking somebody where it's at. And dudes just would not ask for directions. Girls, they'll holler out the window, "Hey, how do you get to?" But not me, man. I will, I will wander around aimlessly until I run into it. And that's the same kind of thing with recovery, man. We are almost willing to wander around just hoping we'll fall in the recovery hole rather than ask somebody for help. But when you made, when you do ask for somebody for help, it's another golden key, man. It's when it like the door unlocks it a little more. You know, it continues to open up, and those little, those little, uh, those little uh, incremental shifts in our consciousness is part of what makes this work. Well, it gets to be so overwhelming. Like I remember, uh, I think I'm trying to remember how long I was in the meetings uh, before I actually met Mike, and he offered me my temporary sponsor at the time. Now he's my sponsor, but uh, you know, between these people that say how important it is. It's the most important part about this is finding a sponsor and you aren't finding sponsor. Like, like I said, it might've been a week, but I was like, this shit ain't gonna work for me. Yeah. Obviously. Cause I can't ask these people for help. Nobody's asking me if I need help. So what the hell am I going to do? That's why I try to be so approachable and it becomes more, it's it like piles on. It's like, well, I'm, I'm doing this wrong. Uh, because it's hard, you know, and if you're not like, you know, so I try to be friendly, you know, and, and again, it's not like a motive I have. It's come naturally or whatever, you know, to do that, to say, hey, my name is Dan. You ain't been here before, have you? Well, welcome, you know, and, and try to be somebody who somebody starts feeling like they maybe can talk to, you know. And it's not meaning, I say this to me, I don't know if God wants me to sponsor you or not, but I'm going to throw my name in the hat. And, you know, I got a whole new motive nowadays, man, because I want my guys that I sponsor, they need sponsees, you know, and they can give these tools to you, and they need to be able to do that. So maybe I'm going to sponsor you, but I'll see if my guy will. Yeah. I, I, I would say on the flip side of that, too, though, because I had a guy that came on real strong. <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, man, I don't think it's going to work out. Like, he wanted – you could tell he was like, ask me, ask me, ask me. And I'm like, yeah, good, good to see you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. But it's there's a lot of things. Uh, it's an interesting thing we have here. Yeah. Sometimes some things, some bells will hit me, and I'll like see some light and why something works, and it'll be gone. I'm like, man, I should have wrote that down. 
there are so sim there are so many little uh, hidden gems in this process, like that asking somebody for help. You know, it seems so innocuous. It seems so, you know, it's hard to do, no doubt. But it doesn't seem like it'd have any value. But there's a huge amount of value in asking somebody. That's a simple act of asking somebody to help. And a simple act of doing what somebody tells you. Like, you know, call me every day. God damn, I don't want to call impossible. you every that's day, It's so hard man. for me. That's, the, that's one of the most difficult things about being a sponsor. You know, sponsee is. Call uh, every day. He's like, call every day. But there's and such that, a shift in that, man. And, and it's weird that there's a, there's a thing. And it's non-negotiable with this dude. Yeah, it's I, non, he, I mean, I'm not going to like fire you because you miss a day. But I will go, hey, when I said that, I meant it. Yeah, I'm terrible at it. I hate picking up the phone. I, used to to, I would, too. I had to set an alarm in my phone, and I hated doing it. And I remember sitting at work with his phone, with his phone number staged in my phone, like ready to hit the send button to make the call, and like going, Ugh! and I couldn't like, and I'm, I'm like pretending like I'm going to push a button in my phone, and I can't do it, and that's the way it felt, like I couldn't. And I would almost have to like close. I remember some days, honestly, no shit, like aim my finger at the button and close my eyes and just tap the screen so it oh, would make that it. call. I've done it. God damn, I hate to call this dude, man. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to I've also figured out, like, you can call at certain times and you're probably not going to get an answer. Yeah. I try to, actually. It's another thing I try to do with my people. I, I, I try to schedule a specific time that we're going to do that because uh, so that I have some routine. And there's also some things about having some routine in your end of things, too. You know, that old thing about God being good orderly direction. So, you know, for years I talked to my sponsor at 2 o'clock. And he told me, you're going to call me every day. You're going to call me between 1 and 3. So I started calling him at two because two is exactly between one and three, and uh, and we did that for years at that time frame. I mean years. I don't talk to my sponsor every day anymore. We, we not a, not too many days go by I don't text him, but I got fairly good stable sponsees that are calling me every day, you know, and, and he understands that. And uh, we have a weekly date night thing, and it's getting cussed right now. We get together and watch The Walking Dead every Sunday night. Really, and I treasure that time together. Uh, but under the current conditions, we postponed that for a little bit, and he does have some compromised immunity stuff going on, and won't get into that here. But he does uh, have some things that causes him to potentially have some more sensitivities to this stuff than falls under the guidelines. So I can uh, honor and respect that, but I do miss it. Uh, yeah, all these little hoops, get a notebook. Yeah, I'm going to right now. I'm going. I'm after I leave here. I'm going to get one. <laughs> going to get a four-step notebook. And, uh, Mike will probably be mad at me when he hears that. But yeah, it's awful tough to make Mike mad. Well, it's it's just but been so you. it's been so weird. With like I said, I've been to the grocery store once this week, and it was I to run in to grab milk, and it was like, I refuse to prep. It's very weird. Yeah, I don't prep for anything. I should have. Yeah, my kids are with me, and I got almost nothing in the house to eat that they like. Uh, because yeah, I refuse, because I don't, I, I did actually have to go to the pharmacy at the grocery store the other day, and I thought for sure I'd be standing in line, but the line was outside. If you went to the pharmacy inside, Nobody. stepped right up to the table, but the line for the cash registers was wrapped around the store. Really? And I'm like, I am no good at that, and and even though maybe uh, I could eat for a month out of what's in the house, me and the kids and dad. We may not eat what you really like to eat, but you're going to be able to survive. Like my, one of my clients the other day said, yeah, 
this can of jalapenos is going to be rough, kids, but it's going to keep us alive. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so wild. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming by today, man, and uh, helping me uh, do this. And I knew that uh, you were here on purpose. And and, uh, and I actually I'd ask you, because I think it's going to be kind of neat that someday, uh, you know, down the road you'll listen back to this podcast and I think it's going to show you like how much you have shifted uh, how much different you'll be after you know early in this recovery and then after man uh, surviving this whole thing we're doing now there's some um, universal karma points that are accrued of uh, making it through recovery during uh, you know one thing that like Getting through recovery, maybe when the economy's all good and all that, and there's really no big stumbling blocks. Yeah, when uh, you're eating steak and right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah living high on the hog yeah. be one thing. Jumping through uh, when uh, we've got these uh, other struggles in our lives that really wants to make you. I mean, it tells me to drink, dude. Last night, uh, those thoughts were in my head. You know, like a fuck it. You know, this is bullshit. The liquor stores are getting ready to close up. I probably should get some before it's too late. And I know those are fleeting little things that I know better than, right? So, like, there's just two different levels in the brain talking to me at the same time. It's almost like the devil and the angel things in the cartoons on each shoulder. It's just, and it's a quiet voice. It's not loud. It's not yelling at me. But it's still there, and I can chuckle at it today, like, fuck you. No, I ain't doing that. But these harder, these stressful times, you know, and then they'll say, okay, well, stop and get a can of dip then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll negotiate. Here, I'll negotiate with you. And today, I look at that just like the same thing. Like I, that's like me. Even just stop and get a can dip is almost like saying you can just have one. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. I actually stopped and got a can of dip the other day. After not can dipping for a <laughs> just, while. Just yeah, like what, dip's always been a thing that I'm like, uh, I need to put this down and I'll go back to it and I'll do yeah. a can and I won't I won't go back to it for a long time. But I actually got a can the other day, and I was like, I didn't really want this, but I guess I'm gonna do it now. Under this this stuff, yeah. this this environment of that, it's like, okay, man, I'm gonna get a little relief someplace, and I know there will be a little relief inside that can of dip. And nicotine is the hardest thing I've ever quit. I had no problem giving up the cigarettes. Uh, well, I, I, I say that I tried many times, and then I got sick one time, and but you never stopped the drug, right? What's that? I mean, so like that's another thing that, that I did. You know, I, I stopped smoking and pat myself on the back, but I just picked Kept up it. dipping. And so I'm still getting a drug. You know, it's like, okay, um, I'm going to stop drinking hard liquor, but I'm going to keep on drinking beer. Or, you know, I'm going to quit the heroin, but I'm going to still pop pain pills. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the same same energy. And I, and I patted myself on the back for quitting smoking. And smoking could be looked at as being more harmful. It certainly took the wind and did a lot more. I think it probably is more harmful. It's no safer. You know, it says on the can, this is not a safe alternative to smoking. Uh, but, and then when I started vaping, I thought the same thing, you know. Hey, I quit. Yeah. I quit dipping. <laughs> Y'all should be proud of me. And uh, I was still doing the drug, though. The drug is the, the thing. But quitting smoking's hard. You want that hit, that down your throat thing. Yeah, the vape is hard to remove, and that's when they come up with these hyper vapes that actually gave you a throat punch. Yeah, that cigarette. I, I mean, I rem- remember liking it, but I just for what I can't even handle the smell hardly anymore. Yeah, Thank yeah. God, I'm so glad for that too, because yeah, I, I, I can imagine picking it back up. I walk by somebody smoking. I smell it in cars in front of me. 
course, nowadays I'm around. I went over to put that. I just had a door sweep to put on for somebody on a storm door the other day, and uh, and I walked into their backyard, and I thought the old lady might have been smoking dope, but it wasn't her. It was coming from the neighborhood someplace. I could smell that dope, you know. I smell it in cars as I'm going down the road. People, somebody around is smoking some dope. I light some sage in here once in a while, and somebody will come in. My daughter did not long ago. It's like, what's that? <laughs> I want to tell you. Uh, I mean, I appreciate you putting this podcast on. Uh, I know I told you, but you know, me and my wife, we uh, I was probably two, three weeks in to doing AA. You know, hitting meetings basically every day at that point. You know, I might miss one a week, but I would try to double up on another day. Um, not that I'm that far in now, but she kind of stopped me and she's, you know, said that, you know, this is your thing and you're doing all this and I don't know what the hell's going on and you're not telling me anything. And you know, I'm still kind of, a, I was still, you know, I'm still a wreck. Don't get me wrong. I feel much calmer now than I have maybe at any point in my life at the moment. But, um, at that point I was reeling. I was still on my heels. Uh, and, uh, I didn't have any answers for her. You know, I didn't know what to tell her. I, I had no idea what to say to her. And uh, actually, earlier that day, I just had thought, like, hey, I know Dan does that podcast. I wonder if Mike's ever done the podcast. And I got on there, and I, I found Mike on there. And I, and I was like, uh, you know, I, I thought maybe, maybe me and my apprentice will listen to Mike's podcast. And then I, I started to say something, and I was like, that's weird. It's like my apprentice listening to my sponsor. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. So as soon as I got off, I put it in my truck and I, I turned it on and y'all did the greeting, you know, Hey, how you doing, Mike? Good. How you doing, Dan? And I was like, I can't listen to this. It's like reading the dude's diary. Yeah. So I turned it off and I called him. And I was like, Hey, is it okay? He's like, yeah, it's a podcast. And I was like, I know, but it's like, it's a little bit different, Feels right? Like eavesdropping. It's a little bit different. Right. And he's like, no, I put it on the internet, and I'm like, okay. He's like, you're building this way too, too, too much, and I'm like, all right. But uh, I just, I, you know, there's people that you notice for whatever reason, and I just happened to notice as I was scrolling through, looking for Mike, that Nick and his wife had done this podcast, uh, yeah. and I didn't know what it was about or anything, but I was like, well, I see what that that's about, and it was about the exact thing that I needed at the moment. So uh, this is hell of a resource you put on for people oh, and i you, really man. appreciate it man it helped me tremendously at that point uh well, still haven't talked to my wife that. about anything but yeah <laughs> but I, maybe I, have her listen to that with you yeah we talked she's i told her she could listen to it and uh she probably will at some point it's uh it's an interesting thing like you know that's what we did so i understand the fears that she has i don't know how to express that to her uh yeah, maybe exactly. she's afraid she'll have to stop too. Not that so much that she'll have to stop is that, um, you know, I don't know because I, I haven't I haven't sat down and had the conversation yeah. I probably need to have with her. We yeah, talked a little bit. Of there, you know, I mean, anytime I, you know, and I know that gets into territory, it's probably not completely okay to discuss because it is something personal, but, um, Anytime our partners are changing and making changes, there's some, you know, obviously there'd be some apprehension in there and you're like, I don't know what to do and I don't know what's going on over there. And frankly, you really don't either. You know, you're just kind of doing what people, you know, I'm just like over here, uh, the guys are saying go that way and I'm just kind of walking that way. I really don't know what the hell's going on. All I know is I feel better. And those dudes look happy 
and I want that too, and I wasn't happy, and so yeah, you what do you tell her? You know, I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. just doing what they're telling me to. I think, like I said, she she went to that the underground, and yep, I think that really helped up, helped immensely. I've just, heard that a bunch of times, but thank you for that. Uh, I do love the juice that people share with me. Um, that this has touched them at some level, you know. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for that. That's my purpose. Is that hopefully, as I, as our before I start this thing, I pray every time, and my prayer is pretty much the same. You know, we'll have these words in it every single time. You know, help them, help me, help us to say the things we need to say, so somebody out there hears what they need to hear, so that, you know we can carry this message and and hopefully help somebody. It's uh, the only reason I do it. You know, so when I get feedback. I, I really appreciate feedback that says it did do that. Yeah, it helped. I mean, say like uh, I still got a weird thing about <laughs> listening to a lot of them, but I needed that one at that night, so I listened to it. But uh, it is to me for some reason knowing these guys, it seems strange to listen to them. But yeah, but that's I also the cool part, right? You know, because you can go out there and there's ten thousand, hundreds of thousands of speaker tapes out on the internet, people you don't know. You know, but here we get this unique little thing where we can actually listen to people we do know. You know, yeah. there's people that I definitely want to listen to. It's just, uh, I guess I need to get over that hump at some point and just do it. Uh, it's not, it's like I said, they, they put it on the internet. So if they don't expect somebody to listen to yeah. it, that, it's a that, podcast a and it is broadcast. Yep. So it's out there and that's the reason listen to them. There are some people who listen to them all, you know, and they wait for them. You know, I, I'd like it that feedback, you know, that comes out on Sunday mornings and, uh, they know it. So they're waiting for the next episode to come out on Sunday, and that really touches me that that uh, that this thing is doing that. I'd have never thought. I'd have never thunk it. I'd have never thunk I was doing a ton of the things I'm doing today in recovery. And I don't know how I'm doing them all. Ross called me yesterday. And he said, I don't know how you do all that stuff. I said, I don't either. That's, a, <laughs> that's something I would like to learn, too. Time management would be great. No idea. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks for coming in here. I know you need to go notebook shopping, and we sit in here and we talk for like two hours before we ever turn on the microphones, and uh, so we better get to recording. And now I was a little bit worried that maybe we'd have burned up our content, but we just picked right up and yeah. didn't make any difference. Uh, we could have had a four-hour podcast here, but <laughs> Nobody uh, frankly, some of the stuff we talked about before uh, before is not uh, for public consumption. So. Um, appreciate you being here, man. I love watching your journey, man. I love you. I love you, both. I, uh, I you do. Know, you I love do. You. I walk this thing, man. I run into people, and I know that I go, you know, it almost is like uh, that guy's on my team, and I just met him. I know him. I didn't know you, but there's something about that, you know, and it's like, and then you start rooting for him, you know, and uh, and when I knew Mike was sponsoring you, I was like, good. Uh, Mike can give you these tools. I know. I gave him. I helped him get them. Um, and so I was like, cool, that guy's going to make it. He's got, he's okay. Uh, it's almost like sitting on a, you know, sitting a soldier on a helicopter flying out of a combat zone or something. Uh-oh. Waiting for that to happen. <laughs> Christopher told LJ the other day when he came, said, hey, don't worry about it. At some point, Bruno's going to knock on the door and Dan's going to have to do that. At some point, the Bing is going to go off on his computer and he'll have to talk about that at some point the heat will need to be adjusted and we'll have to do that and at some point the compressor will kick on and uh we'll deal with that they'll seem to be staples so uh although a few of those things didn't happen uh that did that's like two hours though that's better than two no it hasn't kicked on you've been here four hours and it hadn't dropped down no. enough didn't lose enough air to kick on 
Nope. I like that. It means my compressor is not <laughs> leaking much. They all leak a little bit. Cool. Uh, thanks for coming in again. I know I said it like four times, man, and we'll get you back and uh, and then uh, get you back again like here down the road when you are uh, got the tools under your belt, and that'll be really cool. Maybe even patch some of this together, and uh, here's what it was like. Here's what it's like today. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, spiritualunderground.org. 12-step spiritual recovery. James Christopher Cohn on Amazon. Uh, Darren and Frank's music wrapped around this thing. My little business, dtmww.net. And uh, under these times, uh, I could use the work. So, uh, especially woodshop work. There's, that way I can stay my social distancing. Um, if you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And thank you all for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner today. Peace out. Work hard.